This episode of This Was a Bad Idea was recorded remotely. As such, there may be slight dips in audio. Please excuse the technical difficulties and enjoy this episode of This Was a Bad Idea. Ah, yes. Oh, boy. Yep. Oh, boy. We're back again. Okay. We are. Hi, this time... Oh. Hmm? Wow. Great. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Brendan. With me, once again, is Hamilton. Yes. Tis and... I. Tis I. And this time I have headphones, so hopefully uh, the audio won't reverb in the background as much. Hopefully. Because last I... time I think you could hear me talking in your echo a whole bunch. Or in my, you're you talking in my echo a whole bunch. Yeah. The uh, long-distance recording definitely has some limitations along with it. You know what? It's all good. Because it allows us to do this. The first episode of This Was a Bad Idea in almost two months. That's true. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Got a little sidetracked. Pulled a JonTron and went, nope. (laughs) That's okay. Brendan, I have a quick question for you. Sure. Go ahead. What's the weather like? How's the weather? Oh, <laughs> yes. You, you're really jumping the gun here. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I know. Um, well, let's see. It is a little balmy outside where I am. There's a, it's a nice tree and it looks nice with the sun in the sky above. Uh, it would be weird if the, if the sun was, you know, on the ground. Yeah. Potentially even dangerous. Just knocking on your door like, what's up, fam? Let me in. Need to borrow some well, sugar. Yeah, that right. All right, sure. You, yeah, all right, why not? Yes. Why not give the son some sugar? Oh, not in any, not not in anyone do it all. This, this is a family podcast. This is a family podcast. <laughs> is it? I, I I'm not really sure, but <laughs> doesn't matter. Who listens I, to this? <laughs> think it. Oh, boy. Yeah. You good over there? You good over there? I am all good. All right. The, one of the issues with going so long between episodes is I have absolutely no idea where to start today's episode. We're going to start with uh, the fact that last time I accidentally said that um that Tony J voices Dormammu when I meant to say he voices Baron Mordo on Spider-Man the animated series or voice. I see. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yes. You heard I it was... here first, folks. You did. Um, you did. I have a correction from two or three months ago. And now it can finally be laid to rest. Yeah, I, because I, like I saw Baramordo in my head, but I said Dormammu. And then a little bit after the corner, I was like, that's not, that's not Dormammu. This is Baramordo. That's, <laughs> man, just that's a rookie mistake is what that is. I see. Real, real rookie mistake there. Oh, um, boy. Um, but yeah, let's see. Uh, relatively recently, I watched uh, the entire Clone War series, and that was nice. Ah, I see. You're really getting your binge on. I really got my binge on. I just like would sit down for a solid 12 or 14 hours a day and just be like, all right, it's Clone Wars time. 
Yeah. And I enjoyed every second of it. It was such a good show from the beginning to the end. I see. Is there any moments in particular that you enjoyed? Uh, I don't feel like spoiling things for those who haven't seen it. I see. Now, what I will say is that it's it's not quote unquote just a kids show. All right, it's 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 incredibly well written overall, and it does not shy away from death. Yes. Uh, so it's not it's not really quote unquote just a kids show. It actually gets into some fairly uh, fairly adult topics as far as um, real world issues and whatnot. Yeah, I remember uh, trying to stay up when I was like. 10 or 11 well late for me was like 8 30 in the evening because you know you got to go to second grade the next day um, right Naturally. and i would try and watch the new episode of clone wars on cartoon network and Wait, sometimes what? no is that even what? possible is that is that even possible because i'm pretty sure by or would it be like nine because because of course cartoon network switches to adult swim like at some point in the evening was it on at eight or i don't feel yeah, like it, it was, was on, like they made clone wars prime time Okay. See, I, see, Cartoon Network for me, I, I kind of grew up on, like, Amazing World of Gumball, regular show, Adventure Time. Those were the things that were, like, yeah. on at the name. Because, like... Their early it, 2010s it, renaissance age. Yeah, because Clone Wars ran from... But what's weird, right, is because Clone Wars ran from 2010 to 2014, as, its first six seasons, I think. And then yeah. it picked up again this year, of course, with season uh, seven. Which was amazing, and the oh my god, the the visuals and the graphics are mm. absolutely gorgeous in season seven. It's and of course it, season seven has a couple episodes that take place during and after episode three, right? And oh my god, it's it's amazing. I love the way they tied a whole bunch of things together. There are still I think created a couple new plot holes, but it it definitely answered a lot of them. Yes. Well, right after it ended, they announced another spinoff of Clone Wars. Did you see this? Yeah, Bad Batch. Yeah, Bad Batch. And that's focused on the first arc of the new season. Yeah, so there are these clone troopers that all have, like, like different genetic mutations. And they're all, like, really good at something. Uh, And they make up kind of this super elite squad that doesn't really run with any sort of... um, protocol or tactics they just kind of do but they work insanely well i i really like them actually it's it was definitely a cool arc of the uh, of the show yes so you think that it was good enough to warrant its own entirely different spin-off show i would say yeah and considering that that the um the kenobi series is only going to be getting one season i think they could definitely at least make one season out of the bad batch and i yeah. don't think there are people who did who wouldn't be like, yeah, hey, sure, I'll watch this. I don't think there are long-time fans, and I'm just a newcomer. But like, I don't think there are long-time fans will be like, no, nah, I wouldn't watch the Bad Batch. That's that that's lame, stinko show. But no, I, I think that is a legit. It will legitimate if, of course, Dave Filoni is behind it, and um, all the voices when I come back, I think it will turn out pretty well. Right. Yeah, Dave Filoni has been doing some great stuff. He um. Serves as show, uh, the showrunners for Clone Wars, and he executive produces a uh, Mandalorian. He also created. He also had a huge hand in Rebels, which admit I I have only started that one. I'm only on season two of four, um, but so far it's it's good. I, I wouldn't say as good as Clone Wars, but what Dave Filoni talks about right is 
is that it's, it's largely more hopeful series, like the original trilogy, whereas like Clone Wars is obviously a downward spiral towards episode three and the fall of everything. Right. So like, I, I think that it's fair that it's, it seems a lot more like a kid's show Rebels does, but I think if it was going in a more downward spiraling path, it would be a lot more like Clone Wars. I, I, but I do think it's good. Um, and it's nice to see a lot of characters returning, like Captain Rex. Um, and of course, everyone with the original voice actors and whatnot. It's it's really like all the returning characters with the original voice actors. It's good to uh, see them again. I was like, man, I missed, I missed Ahsoka. I missed Rex. I already missed him. And I'd only been off of Clone Wars for a couple, like for like a week or so. Yeah, it's crazy. Which Ahsoka, man, that that is one of my favorite Star Wars characters now. She is, I mean, amazing character development. Oh, yeah, like, she's a total badass. And like, hold on, whoa, whoa, what was that about this being a family show? All right, I'm a head right out. I'm a just... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, she is. She absolutely is because like, now, of course, I haven't gotten to her lightsaber fights in Rebels, but obviously she has progressed a lot. And, like, season seven itself is very uh, progressive as far as her character. And it's interesting to see how, like, the first time she confronts General Grievous, right, she basically takes him on because she thinks he'll be an easy fight. And then she gets kicked the crap out of. And then the next time she ends up confronting Grievous, she only does it for as long as she has to. And that's to get other people to safety. And that alone is a is, is, is it's an intentional out character development which I really love seeing. And seeing she is obviously the only well not necessarily the only because obviously Rex was but like the idea of clone troopers was already introduced in the other movies. Cody was already introduced in the other movies, but like Ahsoka is one of the characters that is completely unique just about two um, Clone Wars, or at least originating Clone Wars, because obviously she's in Rebels. But like, she, she is absolutely awesome. She is one of the best written, best developed characters in debatably all of Star Wars, because she was part of a seven-season-long show. And you know, it's, it's not like I'm saying that other characters aren't necessarily as well developed. But when you have someone like Luke Skywalker. Who in the original trilogy, yeah, there's a lot of good development, but like, obviously there was no Clone Wars for uh, I don't know, even like Episode Seven. There was no Clone Wars after, like, there's no, like, no like equivalent show. So like, he, there wasn't as much time to stretch out the character development before Episode Eight, which of course basically threw all of his established character, um, character uh, motives and beliefs and threw them out the window because. You know, of course, he, he looks at his, his father, who has slaughtered, I think, millions across the galaxy, just about single-handedly, and sees the light in him. And yet, his nephew, who has a bad dream, he just immediately ignites his lightsaber. Yeah, I there are several problems regarding the Disney-made movies. Chief of which is that when they, they bought Lucasfilm for the <coughs> Star Wars property and announced immediately they were going to make a new trilogy of movies without actually knowing what the movies were going to be. They had zero plan for 
all three movies before they started shooting. So mm-hmm. they just put it up to each director of what to do, which when you want to, especially with Star Wars, which is such this highly regarded property. Well, and that's the thing about Star Wars, right? It is really dictated by the fans because, like, even when it was created, it wasn't necessarily created for money. Like, George Lucas, I don't think, really thought that this was, was going to take off in anything at all. And then it became, like, one of the biggest pop culture uh, movie series of all time. Right. And so... He was a low-level director. Well, and, and... like, it's it, it just, like, it happened to be one of the films that came out in, what was it, 77? And it's 77. Like, yeah, it's like it just happened to be one of the films that came out, and everyone loved it. And then, of course, started making more of them. Uh, you know, but he didn't necessarily expect. Ah, uh, you know, maybe I'll make another one after this one, but it's not going to take off. And then everyone was like, "Holy crap, this movie's awesome!" Because, like, compared to other movies at the time, like Episode Four compared to like any of the other episodes, seems very slow paced. Like, I watched it recently. And by comparison, it's slower paced. But that's not to say it's bad at all. But it is definitely a lot slower paced than like episode five, even or episode or like any of the any of the prequels. Take that as you will. Um, right. And of course, the sequels are incredibly fast paced. <laughs> and that it necessarily isn't for the greater good. No. Well, and especially episode nine i thought i was watching it i'm like what is happening anymore so episode nine as as far as like where my rankings go episode nine honestly i i liked it and here's why i liked it it actually tried you know and it tried to make something enjoyable i think that if they tried to if they actually made the episode nine arc if they if that was their actual plan before all of this i think they could have turned it into a well-crafted story but it wasn't, right. and they retconned. They retconned everything from episode eight, and we're like, we were going in this direction the whole time. It's like, come on. If you had actually yeah. been going this way, we would have enjoyed it, probably. And the thing is, there are, you can argue that there are some elements of episode eight that could be salvaged. I think that and... there are... I think that episode eight had some enjoyable moments, and I think that it wasn't... To, to argue something's a complete failure is usually uh, just incredibly... Um, has an incredible lack of nuance. But, like, right. there is so much that I... Like, leaving the theater, I, I didn't mind. I, I enjoyed it. But enjoying something and liking something are two very different things. Because, like, right. I look I look at it now, and it's like, eh, you know, it just... It wasn't... It wasn't a great Star Wars movie. And, like... So, yeah, and ultimately, a lot of... A lot of what some people have against, like, episode seven even, is the fact that, like, they kill off Han Solo, you know, the old must die and whatnot. And, you know, I don't actually like episode seven. Even now, granted, it was a lot like episode four. I won't lie. Yes. But I think they put... Concern that people had was that people watching it and they're like, this is just a new hope all over again. A lot of it was a new hope, but I wasn't super bothered by it. I think it had a lot of redeemable qualities, like um, uh, like the lightsaber fight between um, Kylo Ren and Rey, and uh, first Kylo Ren and Finn, and then Rey, I think was good. Of course, ultimately, the problem with that being that Rey had no training and held up better than Finn. Who, like she had, she hadn't even ignited the lightsaber once. I don't think until that moment, 
And then, like, like, now, I I wasn't overly bothered by that because, you know, he had just killed his dad, gotten shot by Chewbacca, and kind of gotten kicked the crap out of by a guy who can't even use the Force, which is, that is wrong of Disney. You can't have a whole bunch of promotional images with him holding the lightsaber and with him looking like he's going to be a huge part of the trilogy and then not use him. And that turns out he can't use the force. Turns out he he doesn't matter. That's just wrong. That's not fair. You know, you look at yeah. you look at Finn, and it's like, oh, he's he's going to be an important part of this. He he looks like he's he's going to use a lightsaber a lot. No, turns out it's, it's Ray. Turns out he never picks it up again. Which which is kind of lame in my opinion. You know, I, I, and I forgot. Keep, keep going. I, well, I, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd forgotten how much it, it, it seemed like Finn was going to play a huge like lightsaber wielding role, uh, role rather, in in episode seven because it took so long for episode nine to come out. So you know, I, I had forgotten that. Oh, that's right. Finn was supposed. Finn basically looked like he was going to be the one, at least one of the Jedi, and then he never touched the lightsaber again after showing that he could have had a more general Grievous type style of being just being a good dueler even without like jedi powers or hypothetically tapping into them instead he just basically never did anything important again yeah i think most people can agree that finn is probably the most wasted character in the trilogy definitely you know Let's look past the. Let's look past what happened in the movie. Let's look past like the original set and whatnot. The very first teaser trailer for Star Wars: The Force Awakens, right, was released. Uh, what I think it was November of 2014 because Force Awakens came out in December of 2015, right around Christmas. So okay. over a year beforehand, it opens with um, some Snoke dialogue, I believe. Okay. And it's just, it's a pan shot of the desert. And the first person we see is Finn popping out and then running. So we are automatically made to assume that this is a very important character. Debatably, a main character. Yes, who will have very important things happen to him. And then we get episode seven where he learns where his uh, entire arc is learning that war isn't good. Okay, but then we find out that he's not really a Jedi in that final reveal twist. And then it's like, okay, so what are they going to do with him now? And then we get to episode eight, where Rose takes him to Casino Planet. And of course, the bad guys were the rich people. And of course, Rose tries teaching Finn once again that war is bad. Only one business in the galaxy no gets you this rich. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know, and you see the the problem with with Finn, right? Not not like as into like inherently, but like what they did with them. He had the most wasted potential because, like Poe, okay, they didn't even touch him basically in Episode Seven. They didn't set him right. up like he was going to be anything overly special. He just looked like a mix of Han Solo and 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 Luke because uh, it had the kind of cockiness and look of Han Solo but flies an X-wing. Um 
And you know what? It is a shame that they didn't really expand on him at all, but it's an even bigger shame that they just basically uh, looked at Finn and were like, yeah, this looks great, but we're going to go with Ray for the entire rest of the series. And, you know, if, if you're, if you're going to focus on one, because that's the thing about, about like the original trilogy or even like um, now, the original trilogy, every character was important. Every character was competent. Every character did, had an important job that was just about only they could fulfill. And then in the prequels, right, they didn't focus on every character. They just about focused exclusively on Obi-Wan and Anakin. Why? Because the entire thing is is the setup of, of Anakin's fall to the dark side and Obi-Wan's failing as a master. They, they don't go into overly many side characters. Like, yeah, the council's there. But they don't play a huge role. Why? Because this story isn't about the council. This story isn't about uh, Jar Jar. This story isn't about... Um, a whole bunch of more obscure characters. They made sure, and this is something you can definitely give the pre- uh, the prequels credit for. They kept their main cast small and didn't try to expand it. They didn't try to do anything that was that was unreasonable. Um, and it's like, whereas whereas this whereas like these movies, they teased a main cast of three, added a fourth character in episode eight. They added Rose. Who was then ditched by episode nine because people hated her, um, and, and only fo- only focused on one basically. And now they, they, I, I, this is another reason why I think episode nine is much better than episode eight, and debatably even episode seven to an extent. The fact that they actually tried to expand on on Poe's character development in episode nine. Yeah. You know, they gave him... I still this, forget that. Because, like, they introduced that, that one female character, that the, potential the romantic instrument. Yeah. And they introduced uh, her in that and made it, and gave us a little bit of inside news past. Um, but at the same time, it's it was just a little too little too late, which made the movie kind of meh um, for a lot of people, including a lot of fans of the sequels. Like, people who, who especially enjoyed episode seven were like, Meh, it was alright. And if 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 and here's here's one of the biggest problems with Episode Eight, right? You can basically take it out of the trilogy and just and just have Episode Seven and Nine connect pretty well because you don't learn any new essential information. Like you don't learn about um, you don't learn about Exegol in Episode Eight. They introduce right. all of that um, plot exposition dump in the in the beginning of um, of episode nine. So you know you may as well just have it in the title crawl that after sacrificing himself for the good of the of of the resistance, Luke Skywalker is now one with the Force and is guiding Rey as a Force mentor. It, you, you didn't need you you didn't you didn't need episode eight at all. You 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 kind of retconned everything you, you you did in episode eight there, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, she's yeah. listening to this. What you wanna you wanna introduce Rose, a potential new character and apparently love interest at the end of episode eight? Nope, she gets two lines in episode nine. And so it's like you. That's another thing. Like that's another reason why you could just take eight out because like Rose is introduced, isn't used in nine, so. She may as well just be a background character that we're assumed that they know each other. 
It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's happened before. And, you know, I, I don't, like, hate the sequels, right? And, you know, they are what they are. And that's the biggest problem, right? Ultimately, and, and like, am I saying this should be taken out of canon? No. Why? Because you missed out on the opportunity. Because, like, Carrie Fisher has left us. Any more Princess Leia? And that's 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 wrong, frankly. You missed out yeah, on your opportunity. Creepy princess, like the creepy CGI princess at the end of Rogue One. I don't think. It, see, I think a lot of people have reacted to that. I don't think it was that bad. Yeah, I think it was horrible. And like, as, but it did definitely. They did definitely. It, it was also a very difficult shot to make. I would assume because of the fact that it was in a bright, lit up, just about all white hallway. It's difficult to hide anything because like. The, the next time they used a reverse aging CGI in, like, in episode 9, it was in the dark. They could hide more stuff. Right. And they had helmets on. So, like, they obviously learned from their mistakes and were like, yeah, no, we're not going to get scrutinized for that anymore. And yeah. I, I, don't, I don't blame them. Um, but, like, you know, having any more, like, you can't have Carrie Fisher as, as Princess Leia anymore. Um, and Harrison Ford doesn't want to be a part of Star Wars anymore. He was perfectly happy to die in Episode Eight. He was like, he, he was like, yeah, I'm done with this. And yeah, not like a malicious. Never story. in he's publicly expressed that he's never really enjoyed the role of Han Solo, and has been trying to kill him off for years. But George wouldn't let him per se. And you know, I I don't mind that he died. And you know what? I was glad to see him as, and it was like a true cameo in in episode nine because they didn't even give him credit in the end. Right. And so I, you know what? I was happy to see that and I enjoyed it. And, but like at the same time, you know, you, you can't recast Harrison Ford again. It, it's over. Mark Hamill, like Mark Hamill is probably the only one who would even be up for being in another star Wars movie. I yeah, mean, I mean, cause... anytime you need Darth Vader, James Earl Jones is basically all for it. But you know, you, we're not going to have everyone forever. And how many more times can they use Darth Vader? Yeah, <laughs> because and you know what? I think that a lot of the times that they have used Darth Vader were worth it. Um, Rogue One, I think it was good. Especially with Darth yeah, Vader. Rogue One, that ending sequence in the corridor was the one it, of the best parts of that entire movie. It was a beautiful scene. Um, they and used quite they had, frankly one of the best things Disney has done with the Star Wars property. Now, that, I, I, definitely as far as definitely as, well, no, I no, I, I would I would agree with you, but exclusively in film. Yes, because like I think Rogue One was the best made Disney Star Wars movie. I agree. And and, the, and I know that people are going to give us crap for that when they listen to this, but well, no, because I, I actually yeah, no, Rogue One was good. I don't. I think there's generally a, a, an overall consensus of it was a good movie. Right. Um, definitely bold. It killed off everyone in in the in the Here's posters the and whatnot. You kind of knew that they were going to die in the first place because New Hope basically says that the team who fetched the plans died. Yeah, doing so. 
So you come into this movie, you know that eventually they're going to die, but you don't know who they are, how they die, or what they do. But I think so that they put these characters. Right. It has the linear plot that they need to take, and they go all out for well, it. Well, and I think that they definitely they put a lot of emotional weight behind each character's death. You right. know, I actually did care about a lot of the characters in that movie when I was watching it. Um, and now, was it kind of a forgettable movie in a sense? Yeah, because everyone died, and so why learn their names? But when I was watching it, it, it actually was, a, like, a lot of the scenes were incredibly moving. Like, that one one guy, um, I'm, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with I'm me. I'm with the Force, the Force death, with me. And, of course, yeah, him, and then the guy, his, like, best friend with the minigun, who was saying that as he was going across the battlefield, that was freaking tear-jerking, I think, for me. Um and you know, and, and at the end when he's like slipping the 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 data through the door at the very end of the corridor scene, it's like, oh my god, this was this close to not happening. Right. Like Darth Vader just about got his hands on it. Frankly, if he just force grabbed it, he probably could have. But I don't know. You don't necessarily we all make mistakes in the heat of passion, Jimbo. Um yeah. and I think it was a good movie. Um, whereas I think that Disney does do a lot, do very successfully in shows like Mandalorian. Right. Good. Um, the Clone Wars season seven. Great. Um, and, I mean, Mandalorian is great. I, I actually haven't seen all of Mandalorian because I've been, because I stopped because I wanted to catch up on all of Star Wars. So like Rebels, uh, then uh, everything else. And I don't want to watch uh, the original trilogy again and then go Mandalorian. Um, but I do want to catch up on it because uh, I, because I started watching it, but I just didn't finish it. Um, but so, you know, I think, and I, they also owned uh, Star Wars at the time that made Rebels. Right. And I think it, it just depends on who's on the production team, because like Dave Filoni, you're basically not going to go wrong. Yeah, if anyone has seen the, um, on Disney+, Plus, there's a behind-the-scenes show of how they made Mandalorian, and the first episode is just Dave Filoni talking about how huge of a super fan he was, and how humbled he was when he got to, like, meet George Lucas, and he got the job of making Clone Wars, essentially. See, that will be the only... You can tell just by him talking that he cares about this. He cares about what he's putting out for the Star Wars property, and he cares about the franchise. See, that's probably the... If I, if I am going to watch that, that's probably the only episode I'm going to watch because he's made more stuff than just Mandalorian. You know what? Right. That is a stupid... Sh- like, just the basic premise of it, that is stupid. You're making a documentary on the first season of of the one show that got everyone on Disney+. Plus. I will shame... I, I will admit publicly that I don't like that they, they made a docu-series based on The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian does not deserve a docu-series yet. Yeah, I don't think. You know, if you make a couple more seasons and it's as successful as it is, great. Otherwise, don't count your chickens before they hatch. And you know what? What do I care what what Bryce Dallas Howard's direct experience is? It's like, look, I respect it, but at the same time, no need for a behind-the-scenes doc. Like, what is it? Like, the series is probably as long as The Mandalorian is, as far as oh, many yeah. episodes. It's like, it's like eight episodes. And it's like, look, you don't deserve... It's like, look, I, I don't want to even know how you made it because I don't care. You made it, just keep making it. It's like, look, right. you, you directed good episode, and that's not to like bash the episode because I watched this good episode. I think that's probably as far as I went in the series. But like, does it deserve a does it deserve a docu series a, a docu series episode on it? 
I wouldn't go that far. This it's not it's not a movie, all right. You didn't put in as much effort as as you know. Take your pick. Generally, George Lucas. You didn't put in. You're you're no George Lucas, all right. You didn't you didn't create a masterpiece out of basically nothing. And and that's wow. the other thing, right? When you have Disney's budget at your expense, making something good shouldn't be that difficult. It shouldn't. Well, and you know they're like you know we we use a lot of. Um, we use a, a, a wide mix of CGI and and puppets. It's like you know what I respect that because believe me, that is what made Jurassic Park incredible. That's what makes Star Wars incredible a lot of the time. But when you have Disney's budget, frankly, uh, that's not that's not an accomplishment. That's just you saying you know we took this formula that basically um, ensures that it's a great looking movie or, or 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 series, and we did it. It's like. Congratulations! You you budgeted, Great. you did it, and I don't know. I don't mind. And you know what? It looks great. It, it's visually incredible. And that's not. And this isn't me bashing it. But like when you have Disney's money, if it wasn't, I'd be bothered. Which that that actually brings me. I was watching episode eight. Um, uh, sorry, an episode episode four. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> How dare I? Um, with, uh, with some people the other night, and they added a whole bunch of scenes. To, they added a couple different scenes to it. Oh, yeah. No, did you know it's illegal to watch the original theatrical cut of Star Wars? What? Yes. Every few years, George Lucas basically breaks into the editing room and changes a few things, and so now you cannot find the original theatrical version of Star Wars unless you have somehow can locate like an original VHS tape. So like the VHS or, tape or that like it online. So it. like the VHS tape that we definitely don't have in our house. Exactly. Uh we don't have a VHS of Star Wars in our house. What are you talking about? Um but well like they had these and you know we started noticing it like part like a few minutes in the movie when you start noticing like these these creatures that look out of place. It's like those are CGI'd in. And you yeah. know what? No, um, those are CGI, like and it, it's bothersome because they're, they're CGI in badly. That is, yeah, a, like it's prequel. a not even prequel, not even prequel, not even Jurassic Park, nothing. Just it, frankly, they're ugly and they look out of place, and you can tell when they put them in. And it's like you could you couldn't do this in 1977 or 1976 when you were editing it. The, no, I'm I'm calling it. This is nonsense. Uh, you you can't just stick in a whole bunch of random CGI things and not pretend. You can't just stick in a, a CGI job of the hut and have weird janky, um, like film uh, uh, camera work and and imagine that I'm not going to notice. No nonsense. I completely notice this. You think I can't yes. tell when you just edited together a scene to prove that you could? I don't know. I watched it a few weeks ago on yeah. Disney Plus mm. with uh, my girlfriend. Right. And hey, I did too. Um, not not that long ago, but it was recent. No, no, you're fine. Um, no, but I was watching either. it, and it wasn't really until they arrived at Mos Eisley in the fourth movie where you start seeing like little, these little hopping creatures, and I'm like, those look, those look, those don't look good. And then there's a part where they're like driving up on the speeder. And then this giant CGI behemoth comes out and blocks them, and it's like this doesn't look. Yeah, no, right. They just shoved a whole bunch of CGI in, and it's like, what, what? Why would you stain this beautiful movie? This is a classic. What, yeah, George, this you're is supposed to care where about the this. entire. 
this is where the entire debate of who, sh- of who shot first came in. Ah, yes. Because in the original cut, um, Han, Han shot, first. shot first. Because, you know, he's a badass. Yep. Um, Family show. Language! But, you know, more recently, they're like, no, uh, he can't be a bad guy. So they made it so that Greedo shoots first now. Like, they just digitally edit mm-hmm. that shot. Yeah, and not on, and not only that to do that because of how the way they lines up. If you if you go frame by frame and you zoom in on uh, Han Solo's face, his mm-hmm. neck moves awkwardly to the left, like it shifts positions. <laughs> it is the funniest thing I've ever seen, I'm but not, it's also like, what happened to this movie? I'm not gonna bother looking at it. I don't really. It, that's probably the least of my CGI concerns of that movie. I'm not as bothered by that as the weird background large animals that clearly were they're too they look too um CGI to be from the time. But they don't look CGI enough to be from now or at least not good from now. Like we're talking like you know how when they first animate like when they start animating movies like Shrek, you have all these weird models that don't look right. And like eyeballs yeah. popping out, it's like that. <laughs> when it had, when you haven't rendered it, that's what the creatures look like. It's like, what wool do you think you're pulling over my eyes here? This this wool is so thin I can see right through it. You know, it doesn't even matter that you pulled it over my eyes. It, oh. it, it's like no, this these things look horrible. Why oh. did you do this? And you can't just like smudge them off the screen. Like in the editing bay, who who decided to do this? Who was like, you know, this movie is a classic cinematic masterpiece, but it needs more CGI animal CGI animal aliens. It's like no, no, that's not fair. That's not fair to Star Wars. You know, so like I don't judge it for that because that wasn't in the original cut. That's not that doesn't count on the movie. I don't think, and I don't think it necessarily inherently affects the plot badly. I think the Jabba scene does. Here's the thing with the Jabba scene. Right. The way they made that is originally their Jabba was just mentioned in the first cut of the movie. Exactly. When Greedo was talking to Han Solo. Yeah. But there was a deleted scene when they were first making it where Jabba does show up and it's just a normal guy. Oh. It's literally just a person. And that scene was deleted. And then when... When Disney. The episode six got made. Um, okay. George was like, "You know what? No, he has to go back in now. That would make sense." So they took the deleted scene where he's talking to the guy, right. digitally removed the Jabba guy, and inserted the giant CGI regular Jabba. Well, and you know what? Frankly, why? <laughs> it it doesn't make sense. Frank, it doesn't make sense for Jabba to leave his palace. It ruins any sort of, like, I guess, suspense. Like, you don't need to... Sh- don't show, tell. You yes. know, ultimately, that's just Because sick. the whole point was, we don't know who Jabba is the yeah. first time we watch Star Wars. We just know he's powerful, and he has influences that extend beyond his home. And he has in- a lot of money. The fact that we don't visibly see him is what makes him powerful. Powerful, threatening, it's what makes him any sort of... Uh, the fact is, I don't think Jabba can really even move. Oh. Especially in episode 6, Jabba. So, like, 
how he even got there in the first place is a question for me. And, you know, this is, a, this is an example of someone doing something just because they can. You know, it doesn't move the plot forward. It actually stretches it back a bit. And it doesn't make sense. Why does. do they change this? Is I don't... the question. That is the question. You have it, it... one of the most widely celebrated films of all time. Yep. And stick- even upon its release, it was regarded as that. And yeah. You just keep changing it. There are people who online who will argue that this is worse than just remaking the movie is taking oh, the original is. movie that is and just well, adding crap in well and you know when does it get to the point where you just you add so much stuff in that it's barely the original yeah you know some of the things and now what i like about what what's happened with it it's become it looks a lot better like um as far as the the quality of the camera work like the like as far as like the quality of the actual the film it looks pretty gorgeous actually as far as like um it's uh, like like it's it's H, like it's pixelation, like it does not look like they took it from the VHS reels and just slapped it into Disney Plus. It looks like they did a lot of work on it, editing work, and it looks gorgeous. It, it it keeps up, it keeps up the continuity between all the films, right? Which obviously it's older, but it still looks like it, it still fits in well. It's not jarring, which I like, but at the same time, don't. Don't do do what you did with adding in weird CGI things. I know. I might add this in. The YouTube channel, the Cosmonaut Variety Hour, a while ago, they decided to review every Star Wars movie, including Rise of Skywalker, because they did that as a lead up to that eventually coming out. And when they discuss uh, A New Hope, they do go kind of in depth on the weird editing changes that keep getting made, so I will see if I can add that first video into the description. Okay. In addition, I do believe that I think I saw this the other day, there's a two-hour long video of someone just dissecting Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker and just questioning everything, like why Why is this? Why doesn't this make sense? And okay. What, so I might add that as well. Okay. I didn't mind Rise of Skywalker. I thought a lot of things about it were were bad. I, I I didn't like how suddenly out of the blue Palpatine didn't die, and suddenly out yeah. of the blue, none of Episode Six really matters. Actually, no, that Episode Six didn't matter by Episode Seven <laughs> or Eight, really. Um, but like Episode Six really didn't matter. By, oh, by nine, you know, not even Emperor Palpatine dying. Because he didn't die. Exactly. And, you know, also the, the nonsense line that they had about how cloning a Sith, uh, a, a skill or tool, whatever, new technology known only to the Sith. It's like literally the Kaminos, they made, they made the clone army for the Republic. It, it's not foreign technology. Uh, Why do you think it was called the Clone Wars? Because there were clones. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I have. I. I don't really it's have a problem with episode seven. Yeah. That kind of explain our feelings about these films. Yeah. Like, I, frankly, I don't. Especially compared to the other two, I have no problems with episode seven. You know, and I think that's right. just about that's just about something that everyone can agree on. Compared to episodes eight and nine, episode seven is is amazing as far as like. 
um, how the plot moves, any sort of development in each character, um, the actual story itself. I think everyone can agree that that is not only the best, but also just a, a good to decent Star Wars movie. Right. And it, it had a lot of heartwarming moments. And a lot of, it had a fair amount of fan service. But, you know, episode eight, there's no excuse. Episode nine, I, th- I give a lot of benefits to the doubts. Of the doubts. Especially considering what episode eight was. I don't, I don't really have a problem with episode nine in that regard. I see. Let's see. That's, that's my, that's my angry internet Star Wars rant finished. All right. We are 45 minutes into the episode. Yes, and we've talked exclusively about Star Wars and whined about I mean, it. Might just, I, I guess this is a Star Wars episode. I mean, we can switch it up now. I think yeah. that after 45 minutes of running on Star Wars, we can just uh, skip to random shit. Yes. Oh, I forgot. Um, apparently, this is the episode that will use the um, logo you created. Yes. Like two months ago. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, I'm sure you've seen the, what the episode art will be by now. Um, several months ago, Hamilton. Uh, in th- I, I thank you for sh- giving getting the word out about the show. No problem. It, it, it's very thoughtful of you. I decided to post about the podcast on his Instagram story, and he. Um, do I want to say no? I think you honored the original logo by creating your own in you know the little instagram story yeah i I was like you know what this is gonna be good and i was like yeah it's not straight it's not it's not any sort of uh in line it's not any sort of symmetrical but that's all right and if i find i do believe you say that it was superior to the original logo absolutely so i decided to take you up on that And I have I replaced the episode art of this episode with that very image, of course, of Not what sure. you have created, as well as oh, the Instagram art for the past like two months has yes. just been that image. Exactly. So I might and need you know to change what? that back. You can't. You can't really tell the difference to be honest. <laughs> at least, like I at a glance, at like a glance, you just you recognize it as Twabby. Yeah, Twabby. You just recognize it's like, oh, it's Twabby. I honestly barely noticed when you first changed it. And every time I looked, I was like, oh, that's right. He did that. He, he switched it. Because it, it does keep basically the same design. It's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I barely even noticed it. I'm like, oh, that's right. That's not what the original Don't word was. talk down to your own work. <laughs> no, that, that's what makes it beautiful. Its imperfections make it perfect. Good Lord. As all things should be. Oh, lordy. So, we have that off our chest. Seems like. So, don't worry. That isn't permanent. I'll probably change it back after this episode. Just, if you want to listen to the Star Wars episode from now on, you got you got to look at that image. And I think that's a fair price to pay. Small price to pay for salvation. Mm. I, um, uh, my brother is, uh, moving in today to college. Ah, uh, Yes. And uh, so last night, as like his final wish, we decided to watch Endgame again. Or it, it's the first time I had seen it since I saw it opening weekend in the theater. And I thought it was good. 
That sounded hesitant. No, I I just oh. don't know what else to say. Well, I don't want. I mean, I don't want to go into another hour long rant about the Marvel. Listen, it was it was only it was only forty five minutes, all right? And we're not even because we started off uh, absentmindedly and and being Look, lost. There's a lot more star. There's a lot more Marvel than there is Star Wars now. So. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, there there kind of has been because Marvel's been around since like the thirties. Yes, there will be a Marvel. The, an entire MCU episode in the future. Don't you worry, everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we might have to break it down by uh, the phases one, yeah. two, and three. Yeah, I think we will. That if that's going to be an interesting series of episodes, I will be sure to invite you back for that because we need your expert opinion. Yes, of course. So, um, yeah, no, that gives me an excuse to keep doing episodes of this. Of course. And not, you know, just disappear for a while. Absolutely. Um, well, with the however long we have left, we can talk about uh, not full dive into, but we can skim the surface of Jurassic Park movies. Oh, of course. Yes, I'm sitting here looking at my pop vinyl tattoo, uh, my like two or three. I don't know where my T Rex one is, and he doesn't necessarily count as 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 much of a figure, so to speak, because he's a dinosaur, but. Yeah, uh, particularly about like, I I like the newer I like the Jurassic World films so far, and yeah. I'm not now. I will say there are things about both of them that I did not like, particularly about Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, that I did not like. Yes, blatant like glaring scientific inaccuracies, not like of the dinosaurs, of the physics of it. Like the, the the scene where the baryonyx has lava dropped around its neck and it just shakes it off. No, lava would kill it there. Yeah. And the scene where Chris And you would think that that would be something simple enough that they, they would know that. Well it, well and you'd think that you know, well and like there there's um the scene where Chris Pratt is like kind of all numb and tranquilized and he's trying to shimmy away from the lava. It's like all right, a very funny scene. Uh he, he should be dead. He should be burnt to a crisp by now. Which is something I find weird about, going back to Star Wars for a quick sec, the Mustafar fight, it's a little bit weird that the fact that neither of them even basically noticed the lava until Anakin was thrown two feet away from it. And starts um, crying like a, like a baby. baby. <laughs> like a baby. I was going to say something uh, else, but I can't say that. Yeah, okay. Family show. Okay, yeah, okay. But, so, yeah. Um, the fact that that happened, I was a little bit... But, you know, he did catch fire eventually when he was near. But, so, yeah, that was one of the glaring things that I didn't like about Fallen Kingdom. The biggest problem, I think, with Fallen Kingdom is it it tries to juggle two plots at once and doesn't do either one justice. Yeah. You know, it can't do the first half right. or do It can't really do anything uh, constructive or interesting with the first half because it's basically just the lost world again. Where, right. oh, we're going on an island. We're, we're going to... We're going to save the dinosaurs. We're, we're returning. We're, we're going to return. We're going to go to the island and save save the dinosaurs. But this time, not from an evil corporation. Uh, this time, we actually are working for but the from evil. the powers of God. Yeah. Well, and so this is another. This is one of the problems that was actually created by the trailer. You find out the betrayal immediately. Like, you find out... like. You see um, Claire screaming, it was all a lie from the first or second trailer. So 
it's like, yeah, you want to you want to be able to brand out the Indoraptor, but you don't reveal the big auction switcheroo immediately. That that takes any suspense out of it. And now, what I will say, the opening scene for that movie is amazing. It is gorgeous. It is suspenseful. It is everything you want from a Jurassic Park. If anything. Um, and you know what? Uh, that is one of the best scenes from that movie. And that set the tone, right? That's how the, mo- the entire movie should have been. Or at least a lot of it. Well, and that comes to the second half of the movie with the Indoraptor. Right. It wasn't suspenseful enough. It was too action-y. And this is the problem with mixing action and suspense slash horror. When, when you give um, some sort of helpless victim, like, uh, like if, if you give the person running or hiding from something the ability to not only fight but really run, it takes away the suspense because suspense is great. You have to sit there and wait for it to happen. You know, you have to sit and wait for the inevitability of, of the T-Rex slamming his head through the Jeep. You have to wait right. for, you know, it's not necessarily suspense, it's action. And there were, I think there were a couple of good scenes in there, but like one of the more suspensive scenes was like the Indoraptor reaching its its hand over to grab, uh, I think her name is Mackenzie. You know, that would have probably been more suspenseful if it wasn't in every trailer, every promo image, and everything about it. Yeah, there have been problems for many years about just how much trailers give away of their respect. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I agree that it has gotten much worse recently. Now, there are some things that rectify that. Mm -hmm. And there are some trailers that when they come out, you're like, oh my god, this is amazing because it looks awesome and I still have no idea of half the stuff that's happening. And I I definitely give Infinity War this much credit. You know, it's trailer... It seemed like it gave away a lot, but it didn't at all. And especially no. considering the fact that they CGI'd out a whole bunch of the Infinity Stones. So you, you didn't know how many he actually got by the end of it. Because you have scenes yeah. from both of the main battles, the one on Titan and the one in Wakanda. And yet you have no idea how it's actually going to end. And, you know, you have no idea how you it's going to You don't know work. when in the movie it's happening. You don't know if one of these things is just... Exactly. And going. because it looks like... Uh, because they put all the scenes out of order, it, it looks like uh, it looks like Iron. Man, it looks like Tony Stark meets Gamora. Right. No, it, he doesn't. It, it's they just happen to be two scenes in the movie that sync up really well with each other, and they they played a good trick with that. And I really like the Infinity War trailer and how little it revealed. Um, I think Infinity War very nicely done trailer. Um, Jurassic Worlds not as much. And now what I'll say the original the first Jurassic World. To an extent, kind of bland. To an extent, a lot of worthless characters. But you know what? Yeah, ever, ever since the first Jurassic Park, most of the characters were kind of worthless. The first Jurassic Park had a lot of great characters, had a lot of memorable characters, had a lot of characters that you cared about whether they lived or died, or in like Dennis Nedry's case, how he died. Great movie. Amazingly crafted. There are some technical problems with it as far as the technology and the filmmaking, but barely anything in dialogue, barely anything in plot, if at all. Um, whereas, like, Lost World, you start to get to uh, the couple of useless side, the mostly useless side characters. Um, right. Uh, Vince, to... Isn't it Vince Vaughn that shows up? Uh, is that an actor's name or the character's name? 
the actor, Vince Vaughn. Uh, then I don't know. I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched. Yeah, so like Nick Van Owen as as a character was after the T-Rex is on land, he doesn't even show up again. Um, Eddie Carr is another character. He doesn't show up at all. There are a lot of characters that don't show up at all once they're on land. And a lot of... um, Now, what I will say is that I think that um, to an extent, even Jurassic Park, uh, all the Jurassic Parks up until even three, I think, did a better job with the raptors because they show them more respect. Now, Jurassic World did a fair job, I think. Um, and you know what? I, th- I would even go so far as to say they did a good job. And that was that end fight with the T-Rex and the Indominus in blue. I was legitimately tearing up because I thought the T-Rex was about to die. Yeah. And I cried just about every time I watch it. Because it's just, to me, it's a very emotional scene. Like, oh my God, the T-Rex just lost. You can't do that. Like Jurassic World 3 did that. But it also wasn't the T-Rex from the first movie. It wasn't even the T-Rex from The Lost World. It was just a T-Rex, and I don't really care about it. And so I'm not as bothered by that. And, you know, that was definitely a greatly done scene. But like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and, you know, to a large extent, um, Jurassic World, they don't give the raptors enough respect. They don't treat them as what they are. They are animals. They are highly aggressive predators in these movies. These are not toys to be played with these are not these are not some sort of operative for a government mission respect them like everyone in every movie before that realized that the raptors were bad news and they took away a lot of the raptors they exchanged a lot of i mean i guess you could say they're as intelligent but like they're less cunning they're they two of the raptors just kind of die right to Indominus immediately, and then Blue is the one that's left. Which, that's the problem with having, like, a named character, is you basically know it's not going to die, and you basically don't care about it anymore. Because there's no stake for it to live. It's like, which is why Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Blue, not my favorite character at all. I don't mind, I don't mind her, I think she's fine. But, like, when you give a raptor that kind of symbolic importance in the second movie... You know it's not going to die. You know it's going to win the fight. And, like, you basically already know we're going to win the day. But, like, one of the main characters theoretically could have died that they just introduced. But Blue is not going to die. Chris Pratt, probably not going to die or even get injured. But Blue, the fa- you know, the fact that she left, I think, was was interesting and good. But, you know, against, Indom- uh, against Indoraptor, it's like... Is there really any question that even though Blue and, and Owen are basically outmatched, that um, they're going to win anyway? Yeah. Because, you know, Indoraptor isn't one of the main characters. And that takes away a little bit of the of the suspense and of the weight behind it. I do think it was good, though. I think it was a beautiful-looking movie. I think that the... Now, the problem is that when you just stick in random um animatronics and puppets and whatnot it does take it does take away from the use of it because when you don't use it to nicely blend the cg because like you can tell when it is an when it is animatronic blue and like all the animatronics just about except for baby blue they're all lying down and stuff whereas like the animatronics and live action stuff in um in jurassic park they were just about, except for the like the Triceratops was on the ground, obviously. But like, it was sick. And that's the entire point. Which is why I, now, this is why in Jurassic World, a great thing that it did. The dying Apatosaurus. 
the fact that they like that was it's a fairly emotional scene and you know what it gives the weight behind what the actors are doing it gives it weight basically because like this is as far as like convincing yourself this is a dying animal when you see it in your arms that is a dying animal this is a real thing that i'm holding and it's looking at me and it was an absolutely gorgeous scene i give it total credit and uh you know what it's one of the best emotionally one of the best scenes in the movie and it gives a lot more of the weight behind the it's killing for sport line that Chris Pratt delivers because you, you give them, and this is one thing that not every movie does well. I think that Marvel does it very well. Jurassic world typically doesn't it very much. It it makes the, it makes the dinosaur more. It makes you more empathetic towards all of the dinosaurs because um, it's, it's, it's something that is more alive and is something that is more like an animal that, you know, it's something that you care about now. And so when you see the rest of them, it's actually kind of devastating to an extent. It's like, oh my gosh, it's just wiping all these animals that, that are like living, breathing animals. And that's of course one of Claire's, um, it's of course one of Claire's big uh, realization moments as to why she should be more empathetic towards them. Right. Um, uh, we're at the hour mark, by the way. All right. Yeah, I don't want to go too in depth. Yeah. No. to the Jurassic Park franchise, yeah. partly because, again, we're at an hour, but also uh, I do have a f- planned future guest coming. If he's listening, Ooh. you know who you are, who is a very big fan of the Jurassic Park franchise. Oh? So I imagine we will be talking at some point about that during the episode. I'm so everyone listening, uh, look out for this man. Maybe we'll we'll have our first group Wonderful, yes. Yes, uh, we have to start doing this. That would that'd be fun. Yes. And especially for you listeners at home, we got to get these multi-people things going. It means yes, there's yes. less awkward silence. Hopefully. All right. During these episodes, maybe. All right. Yes, Any yes. final words of wisdom? Nope. <laughs> All right. You get the job at Fruit Loops. Yep. Oh, oh now I have to link that for you. Crap. Um. All right. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great as always. Of course, anytime. Yep. You're always welcome at this Twabby household. Yes. Yes. We have group groups. <laughs> all right. This was a bad idea. It was created by Brendan Collins. You can follow us on Instagram at Twabi Podcast. That's at T-W-A-B-I Podcast. Today's guest was Hamilton Scudder. If you like listening to This Was Bad Idea, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Most importantly, please tell your friends. The best way we attract new listeners is through you guys. Thanks for listening.